Cheers. Hello and welcome to another episode of Godfather, Keith Long. Hello everyone. Woo! Here we are. Here we are. This is where we ask questions, we explore connections, we share reflections. This is Greg Heineke, my buddy Keith Long. Tonight we're talking about memory. Keith, how's your memory, do you think? Uh, I think it's okay. Not, not too bad? It's okay. You've, you've, yeah. uh, you've had, you haven't had any challenges in the past? Um, I've been pretty good. I, I, there was a time where I, I suspected I might even have kind of a photographic memory. Not, um, I mean, I've since, uh, looked what that is and I, I definitely don't have that, but, uh, <laughs> there was definitely a stretch there where I was, I'm pretty good on memory and, um, you know, there's things that I remember that maybe I shouldn't. And then there's things that I don't remember that I should, but generally speaking, I have a pretty good memory, yeah, I think. Yeah, a healthy memory. Healthy memory. Yeah, that's good. And, and hasn't changed over the course of your uh, your years. You're getting a little older now, sir. Yeah, it's definitely not as strong as it once was. I mean, I could um, memorize um, monologues and all sorts of things. Uh, you know, in my younger, kind of 20s, probably, uh, where I was really full throttle memory, but I wouldn't say I definitely need to work harder at memorizing things nowadays, yeah. but I've learned a few tricks That's... here and there through uh, speech communication. Yeah. And, um, so in my craft, uh, I think, I think I do pretty well. Well, we're going to, we're going to put you somewhat in the hot seat. This is a little different because as I was preparing to put you in the hot seat, a lot of memory, uh, at least on the internet, a, a lot of either you have games Many of them are visual, which is a, a challenge when you're doing an, an yeah. audio, right? Um, right. Or uh, quite a few out there related to like dementia, or Alzheimer's, or at least kind of like how is your memory, like which is what we're talking about here. Are you forgetting where you put your keys, type of thing? And right. and that wasn't really what I was looking for. So, listeners, what I did is I sent uh, Keith a list of some items. I think there were about, I didn't actually count it up, 10 maybe? 14. 14. Okay. Quite a, quite a few then. Um, and said, here, just, just look at these. Not too long ago. And I said, just, just look at these and, and see if um, you can keep them in your brain. And what I'm going to do now is ask you um, about a, a separate list and see. Oh, dang you, Heineke. <laughs> 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 we're gonna we're gonna see or we're gonna ask some words and you're gonna try to remember if this second list if any of these words were on your first list okay oh, okay does that make sense yeah yeah okay and i'm not trying to again this is not intended to be like a mind trap or a trick you type of situation right. okay okay all right so i I'm, I'm just gonna go and you tell me um yay or nay how's that sound will that work okay okay yep all right here we go so the first word is house nay okay how about pencil? Yay. Okay. Apple? 
Nay. Shoe. Nay. Book. Nay. Flag. Nay. Rock. Nay. Train. Nay. Ocean. Nay. Hill. Nay. Music. Nay. Water. Nay. Glass. Nay. And school. Nay. Nay. So you. Oh, no, no. That one's a yay. Sco- that one's a yay. School's a yay. Yeah. Okay. So you had pencil and school. Yes. Excellent. That th- those were the two on the first list. Now, here's here's the interesting piece, or maybe not. I, I don't know. Again, we haven't done a whole bunch of these, but this isn't this was about false memories. So w- those words uh, have an association. And the one that potentially could have showed up where you would have said maybe uh, yes was book. Right. Because you had pencil and school and some of those yep. other ones that, that were yep. more. The, the list, listeners were, they, they weren't all necessarily school related, but that's the best way to categorize them. So yeah. papers and letters and, and stories and sheets and pens and things along those lines. Yep. So interesting that, I mean, you were spot on. The, there were only two of, of the 14, pencil and school, and then you, you hit them. You got them. There we go. Very, w- right. very well done. I, impressed. So the, yes. the the mind is strong, Keith Long. Mind is strong. I'm starting off on the right foot. <laughs> you're you're uh, you're doing okay still. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're gonna segue a little bit here again. Somewhat still in the hot seat. So these questions okay. still are about memory, but now they're specific to September 11th. So 9/11. Okay. Okay. All right. So uh, there are six of them, and I think the best way to go about doing it would be just for you to elaborate on them, right? I think. Yeah. Um, and, and so sure. here, here we go. So where were you when you first learned um, about what was happening? Uh, I, let's see. I was, I was in my house okay. at... Um, yeah, I was in my house at, at uh, during during college. Okay. Um, so that that so the second question is where were you? So those go together. Like where when you when did yeah, you first was, learn? Where were you? What so what were you doing at? The- I was uh, I was in I was in Moorhead, Minnesota. I was in the last semester of college. Um, it, it was I actually that morning. I worked. I worked early mornings at like a um before school kind of thing uh and then i got home and um my roommate said have you heard uh what's going on and i i you know had no idea what he was talking about and then he 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 turned on the tv wow um and then that's when i that's when i learned okay man Okay. How then? So the next question is a follow up to that. How do you how do you feel when you when you first knew that it was an attack? Just shock, just total total shock, and and just um, dread, kind of you know, like what's you know what's happening? Yeah. Why is this happening? Um, there was a lot of curiosity as far as I wanted. I wanted the details. Yeah. Um, did you feel, were you, were you nervous in the sense of that? It could be that it, it was throughout the United States or did you not get to quite that feeling? I didn't get, I didn't quite get that feeling. Okay. Um, because I think the, 
I I didn't catch it, you know, right in the beginning. Like I I think the the uh, I think the second plane had already crashed. Um, so I caught it after two planes had crashed, and I think I was able to process in the moment sure. that this was just on New York. Okay. Um, and then I guess, I guess when, when the one hit the Pentagon, then, um, you know, I think, again, the commentators were kind of filling in like, well, it seems like it's, a, you know, yeah. targeted towards, you know, the next one's going to, you know what I mean? They were like, trying to figure that out for you. And so you were, yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So the last one, I, oh, I'm, I skipped one. You kind of answered it though, but let's, let's make sure I asked it. So who was the first person you talked to about the attack? I mean, because you had it was your roommate then, right? Because he, he it was my roommate. He came yeah. in and, and told you about it. Um, so the last one, then question six is: What were you doing immediately before you became uh, aware of again the, the the magnitude of this? It's just a, a typical day for you going about your normal. I, uh, I guess, yeah. I guess I was driving. Um, I was driving home. I must have been just. Gosh, no, I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I. I like as I think about it, I know it was a Tuesday morning. Yeah. And I know the first plane hit at like eight thirty. Yeah. Miss Central uh, um, Time. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just deducting and while I, I usually worked six thirty to eight ish, and then I would have been coming home, but I know at least it's my memory serves right that that i i wasn't present for the first plane hitting okay um and i'm i'm again probably at this point 67 percent sure <laughs> that um that i caught the action after you know a considerable amount of you know tragedy had already happened yeah so this is what you remember this is what i remember or maybe not yeah, yeah. So let's get into some fodder, right? Yeah. I, I think I think that maybe you're not right. There's no way to know, but but listeners, here yeah. what here's what we're talking about. We're talking about uh, memory, and specifically flashbulb memory is what it's called. It, it, it's an event, and the easiest way to connect it to our our major events that have happened in the world. So 9/11, the Challenger explosion, you know where Princess died um, when, when she when she died in her car accident, um, Berlin Wall, mm-hmm. OJ verdict things like that so it's when we recall the experience of learning about the event and not necessarily the factual details of the event so Mm -hmm. you may or may not have accurate memories of of what was going on studies have been done uh and and related to those uh major events that i listed specifically 9-11 a study was done where 
individuals right after this had happened, they wrote down um, some memories, some uh, summary and some details about what they were called. Those six questions, exactly what I, I asked you. And then the follow up became a year later, three years later and 10 years later. And the very interesting part about it all was that the memory seemed to change over the course of that time, their own memory. So they would be looking at the things that they had themselves written and like, no, that didn't happen. That wasn't what, what it was. So here you are 19 years later or so uh, and trying to remember and, and going back and, and thinking, man, I, I think that's what happened, but, but maybe not. Yeah. yeah I think uh, from, and we'll probably, you'll probably, we'll probably get into this in the pod fodder, but I know that your brain is really good at gap filling and, uh, and just kind of guesstimating or um, pulling, you know, r- rationalizing reasoning and just pulling that all together to make some kind of uh, bridge to, to the things that you actually do remember. And then everything else is just kind of fodder. It's just kind of, um, it's it's uh, Im- imperfect, unwhole, and, and you're just kind of piecing things together. So the strength of your memory really depends on this, like the the strength of the action, like the thing, the one thing that you 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 know, the confidence, I guess, um, and the length of it uh, is really uh, the the important part because. If, if you are confident about one tiny detail, you're going to nail that detail, but chances are your brain is going to work to really fill it, fill out the whole picture. Yeah. Well, and that, and that, that is a major detail of these studies, which would be that people are, are extremely confident. We believe that that's exactly how it was. Mm-hmm. We're, we are sure we are positive. And so that piece about, going back and looking at the, this is your handwriting. These are your notes. Mm-hmm. You, you said, this is what occurred. And you're like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's, that's not how it was. And yeah, I mean, the, basically the only thing that I am certain of on that morning was that was being in my house and seeing the image on the TV with my roommate. That's like the only thing that I am like a hundred percent certain on but the the immediately preceding before events and then what happened after are very murky. Yeah. And and I think again in our context, so just briefly so we have a comparison is so I was actually teaching at that time and it was it was like the first I think it was the second week of school and we were we were doing our lessons and things and a student had come in um, having gone to the restroom and said a plane had crashed not to minimize plane crashes, but they do happen. Uh, and so when, when she said that, I thought, okay, like we're going to, we're going to keep rolling here and we'll, we'll figure that out. Not knowing that it was about a plane had crashed into to into the world trade center, you know, and then yeah. again, the magnitude. And I think she had, I don't know how the heck she would have known it going to the restroom. This is before cell yeah. phones and any of that, but somehow she had heard about it and it was the first plane because then we were able to turn on the TV and um, mm. then we moved into the lot because now we have live feeds. Now you have the second plane going in and just, again, the, the horrific nature of everything that transpired afterward. But 
So this this came about, listeners, because of my fascination with memory, but also because, as if you are a loyal listener, you know that uh, I really enjoy Revisionist History, which is Malcolm Gladwell's um, podcast. And he is starting his latest season. In fact, it just started. And they were going through some of the top episodes. And this episode, Free Brian Williams, was one of the top three. In fact, it was number three. And so just as a baseline for, again, more of our fodder here is Brian Williams was, uh, he still is, actually. uh, I think he's MN. Uh, MSNBC rather than just the NBC network. He was a, a news anchor um, for 12 years or so. And he would go out on assignment and had gone out um, and had been out and was doing research uh, about the Iraqi war and said that he had been shot down and had been telling this story for quite a few years. And it turns out that he actually was not in the uh, helicopter that was shot down, but was in the helicopter that was behind the one that got shot down. So this traumatic event that he'd been talking about and telling and going through um, and living and interviewing and talking to other soldiers and things, we find out later that it wasn't he wasn't actually there and someone called him on it. It actually came out because he had been on an episode of uh, I think he was on one of the night. Letterman. Oh, Letterman. Yes, exactly. That's what it was. Um, And so all these people kind of came out and said, well, wait a minute, you're 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 lying. So really was he now that now that we have this baseline here of, of looking at flashbulb memories and such i mean what are your what are your thoughts on you know this this line what was he lying was he because he he wasn't moving trying to to move his career forward or, or try and get well prestige. I, I think i don't think he was i don't think he was necessarily like speaking uh, like maliciously to puff himself up necessarily. However, I think with, you know, the line of his work, knowing well enough, that, you know, to really have a good story, you have to have good, a good experience, you know, an, an experience that's yeah. rich and that it, it is a, it becomes a really, uh, a story that's interesting to, to the ear and to the brain to receive. So, I think that, uh, but I also think the line of his work is extremely emotional. So, um, and of course, you know, when they get on the TV in front of us, in front of viewers, they have to suppress all of that emotion and just give you, just relate the story. But uh, for someone like him who consistently was in the field and in the action, I find it really hard to believe that he was able to maintain a completely stoic presence wherever he was. I'm sure he was, he was, you know, uh, affected emotionally. Yeah. And so when I, when I hear the story and how he was actually like 30 minutes behind the helicopter that went down, you know, I'm guessing that he had a pretty significant emotional response to to that day. And, and I mean, kind of like, you know, when, when you drive by a car accident, you know, five minutes uh, after the fact and you're, and you kind of go like, Oh my gosh, that could have been me if I had been on time or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, So I, I think he had some kind of 
uh, emotional traumatic you know response but then um almost that kind of like that self-justifying his his um his reporting style i'm sure you know it was a little bit of both like yeah. I, I can't completely exonerate him that you know that his pride or that his ego had nothing to do with you know, putting in the different facts but i also based on you know what i have learned about the way memory and brain works and recalling things i also give him some grace that you know uh especially when you're going back because it he was on Letterman and the event had happened 10 years prior. Mm -hmm. So, you know, trying to, trying to tell something, you know, that happened 10 years ago, uh, you know, again, you got to extend some grace because not everybody is, is most people are not spot on about you know any length of time. Well, have, have you ever had that? Um, just again, not let, let's pause on the traumatic event. I, I think your example of uh, driving by an accident is excellent, but I want to, I want to go I want to stay on the idea of if you've ever your family is telling a memory and your memory of it, do you, you know, it, it changes because the group, the group keeps talking about it. Do you, we all kind of know the memory and everyone adds in their two cents because it gets told every Thanksgiving or, you know, 4th of July holiday or whatever it happens to be. And your memory of it is, is now based upon because they keep telling the story over and over mm -hmm. again, or you've seen a, a pictures or a movie yeah. even of it. And you're like, I, I don't know. Do I really remember it? Or do I remember watching the video of, of the event? Had right. you, do you have anything like that, that you can, you can remember <laughs> no pun intended, I mean, but I, I think, um, yeah, more information kind of betrays you. And this again is where your, your brain is trying to, again, create a coherent, uh, uh, you know, re recording of whatever said event is. And so, uh, so you're, you're just, you're, whatever information then comes in, it's going to distort, it's going to distort it. So I don't have a personal example, but uh, thinking about this, this topic reminded me of a book I read about uh, the Gospels. And uh, so the, the book is Jesus Before the Gospels, How the Early Christians Remembered Jesus and, and subsequently then changed uh, history. Hmm. And again, literally changed history in that they, how they remembered Jesus is what turned Jesus into such a, such a dynamo of, of, a, of a figure. Uh, that if you were to compare the his like what Jesus actually probably did historically versus how he was remembered by his followers five, 10, 50 years later when those words were actually written down, mm -hmm. it's it was different. Uh, and and emotion played a part, who your audience played a part, what uh, thing you were you were trying to convey and, convinced people of played a part that all those factors kind of then cr like changed or, or tweaked or, you know, kind of transformed these memories of something that was real. Like, again, I think critics of, of the Bible, oh, they made it up or um, it's completely fictional and it's not, it's, it's based in history, but it's also, you know, human beings were no, uh, their brains weren't more advanced 
than they are now, you know, just because they weren't writing everything down like we do now. So it's kind of that, like the brain is, uh, yes, we're probably evolving, but we still do the same thing. (laughs) We still fill in the blanks. Yeah. Well, and the, the mind is prone to misremembering. So when you, when you have those flashbulb memories, when, and again, I, I, I'd move it away from from it having to be traumatic. Obviously, the trauma it makes it solidifies it a little bit more. But thinking about just like I said, the stories through the years, or think um, athletic contests that you took part in, and you remember them, and then you're with your buddies, and you're you're all remembering that particular game, right? The story starts to add a few more details again as the years go by, and the the fish gets a little bit bigger as you know um, you haven't been catching a lot of fish. So you say, right. remember when I caught that one, right? Well, I thought it was interesting how they talked about why we do it is because essentially it's a it's a social acceptance is on the line. So if you have no memory of 9-11, that will be somehow conveyed to others in your brain that you are not patriotic. Yeah. Uh, if you don't remember the big game from 25 years ago, then that makes you less of a teammate or a friend and therefore not socially as acceptable to that tribe. Yeah. Uh, and so it, there's pressure. There's pressure to remember and to fill in those details so that when it's your turn to tell the story that, you know, all that like emotional, you know, baggage that's sitting there, uh, you know, that you can carry it, you know. Um, because if you don't, if you can't recall, then it's like you, you feel like you're under the microscope for all the wrong reasons, not because you have a bad memory, but because you don't care. Yeah. Well, and I think that's also going back to kind of that Brian Williams stuff is he had to have something, you know, like he had to be able to, to convey like, oh, I was afraid or. Um, it was, you know, because it was a scary time and there was all this stuff going on. And, you know, like if he if he like says, you know, I, I don't really remember, like, <laughs> like, like, think about the the controversy that would have started. Yeah, if he would have just been like, you know what? It was a long time ago. And I remember being there, but I, I really I don't remember what happened. Mm hmm. You know, like um, that would be a really honest response and a, probably a very truthful one. But that's where, again, I feel like his ego is on the line. His his credibility is on the line. Uh, yeah, his his you know? his character. And, and in his yep. case, like you said, this is about his his career, because he's not only he he was the anchor uh, on the on the nightly news, but he also was a journalist. So he was out in it and so now if he can't tell that story or remember it properly and this is his career how can they continue to send him out to do you know more stories in the future so they 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 say you know you should just confess that you uh got it wrong um and he's like well no i um you know it's between again that lying piece you know you you should say say this and and confess to him like well wait a minute because you're we're judging him based on the memory piece like you said about the patriotism and such rather than this is about his character when are you okay with um 
him telling, to, are you okay? Are we more okay with him forgetting about it um, than the lying piece? You know, where, where do you kind of happen to fall? And again, being graceful, as you said, you know, because we are prone to, to not memory, you know, memorizing the situation and, and where you were and what you were exactly doing. Cause how could you not know what you were doing during this time? Right. And, and I think, um, I think the advice I would give when you're in a similar situation and having to recall something, you know, less is probably better. Mm. So um, instead of reaching for kind of the big thing, uh, you, you know, you should probably just kind of try to do your best to give the minimalist version. But what's tricky is that according to these studies, it, once you start telling the wrong like once you start filling in a detail that's false, if like, it's like you, you have to keep spinning it yeah. with those details <laughs> and you, you start to then, Pinocchio, you know, yeah, convince <laughs> yourself that, that, oh yeah, that is part of the story. Um, even if you're not doing it, cause you're like, oh, the way I, the way I always tell the story is I includes, you know, da, 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 da. Um, and again, I don't think it's lying. It's now it's like, once you say it now it's it sinks in more um then then and it's and it's harder to extract it to take it out the next time you tell it it's just easier just include it in and 10 years is a long time so i'm sure you know he told it one way right when it happened and this is kind of what they're talking about in the studies and then the next time there's a little bit more and then the next time there's a little bit more and um even if you're able to shorten the story the details are probably, you know, what they say, 60%. Yeah. 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 Even so like 10 years later, you're still about 60% accurate. And the, the, the interesting part is they talk about time slices. So the time slice air. So something else may have been happening or you talk to somebody else like we're doing here and you start to add that detail into your detail. And so you now have made that time slice air where you have taken someone else's memory or a different detail and you've embedded it into yours and you start going yeah. down this path. Like you said, where it's almost like you're spinning tails. You're it's Pinocchio, which is interesting in and of itself, because it's when, when someone can tell the story the same way all the time, you know, a month later, a year later, five years later, they have it so detailed, so crisp and clean. Then that's the time you're supposed to say, wait a minute. There's no way that you could tell it that accurately because the mind does change over the course of the years. It does right. add time slice errors into it. So you got to be a little skeptical, a little leery of the individual who can say, hey, hey, I got it. I'll tell you exactly what happened. Well, and, and it's not even that, but it's like it, you have to rehearse, yeah. you know, like you have to rehearse many times to continue to, to, to deliver the same product. So then it becomes, for me, it becomes, why are you rehearsing this story? Mm. You know, like, what does that say about you that, uh, you know, that you, you, it has to be this accurate all the time. Um, you know, what kind of humility is there or, you know, like that it has to be so perfect, you know, me, it just, that's a revealing of, of something maybe a little darker, uh, not always, but it's just kind of like, wow, it's still, this is still the same story. Uh, and I don't know. I just think that's, it, it's, it is an interesting 
look into the human psyche. But it's that it's the pressure, maybe or fear, if I can even maybe push that a little bit farther is about that this is demonstrating what what's important and going back i mean the example that you gave about being patriotic if you if you if you can't remember it what is that saying about you and and so that's where we we think maybe we've seen too many movies but we think that our mm-hmm. our minds are recording our lives and that we can just go back and say okay yes here's what was going on when i was 35 um, here's what was happening at at this birth or whatever. And if I can't remember my child's birth, I mean, what the heck is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, and it's starting to happen. Like, I mean, it, it's it's. I would be interested at what point, without rehearsing, without prompts. You know, have you seen you you've seen the movie Inside yeah. Out? And we've uh, we've talked about that before. At what point does the guy with the vacuum start going through? And sucking out, you know, th- this this extra stuff that you don't yeah. need anymore. You know, what what point does it does your brain say, you know what, we we don't need these phone numbers anymore. So see ya, yeah. you know, like uh, that that that's kind of interesting to me. Like, um, but yet I still, you know, all these years later, I can still tell you the roster from the 1987 world champion twins, you know, like, (laughs) (laughs) like I don't need that information. And yet I still have it. I, there are certain song lyrics that I still have. There are certain, you know, and yet the details of, you know, every um, birth or whatever, like are starting to fade a little bit. Like, well, um, I, it, I, I think know. it is the emotional piece then tied into that. I mean, it, I mean, if if we're looking for how to keep a hold of some of these memories, whether they're from a long time ago or if they just are going to be happening anytime soon, and you want to retain them for a long time, it's it is to make those connections. the The mind does want to have uh, positive connections. So when you talk through it, when you write them down, even with that's why that's why we do videos and pictures. Because we, you can go to that and it launches you back into that memory. Um, and, right. and related to this was, I mean, hang, hang with me a second, but it was, again, uh, Malcolm Gladwell's uh, most recent episode, which was talking about hoarding. And these individuals would hang on to this stuff. And I, I and what was interesting is the connection, not so much that episode was about hoarding, but I connected it to this episode, which was why they're unwilling to give up that uh, Disney blanket, because if they do, they will forget the memory. And if they forget the memory, then they give up a little bit of who they are. And, and mm-hmm. so they hang on to all of this stuff because of the emotion. And I thought truly fascinating as you're, just trying to get through all your stuff and, and, and how you, you know, keep a picture and maybe that's it or nope, I need to actually have the Disney blanket because then I can actually have that emotional stimuli. So, right. you know, talking through it um, again, whether it's a picture, I don't know if you necessarily need to hold on to everything, um, but certainly making that sure that you have an emotion will, will help you retain it over the course of, of time. And, and then even that's fun, isn't it? Where you can go yeah. again, hanging out with your buddies or at holidays or whatever you talk about, Hey, remember you know that experience or that trip and taking time. Right. Cause it, it doesn't negate the experience. No. If you don't, if you, if you don't remember, it doesn't mean that it didn't happen. It just means that you don't remember. Yeah. 
And and ultimately, I think that's what this kind of comes down to is Brian Williams is OK. He's got still a fabulous job, but people were judging him um, and, and were looking at it as far as character. And when can you judge someone um, just that they forgot? It was it's no big deal. Like you said that the event happened. Your your birth happened. You're here. You, you know, whether right. I remember every exact detail of that particular day or what was going on. Um, you know, let, let's give each other a little grace. Free Brian Williams. Free, free him. Let let him lose. Exactly. Free yourself, people. If you don't remember, it doesn't make you a lesser human being. You just don't remember. It's okay. It's okay. This has been Godfather. We appreciate you and thank you for adding some value with us to the world. Share a comment, ask a question, or reflect with a tweet on Twitter at Godfather Podcast. We create and distribute now through Anchor. Please join us again next time when we will ask more questions, explore further connections, and share our reflections to add a little value to the world. Godfather artwork is designed by Chuck Bennis. Our theme music is from The Godfather. Composed by Nita Rhoda. Transition music is Led Zeppelin and Ray Le Montaigne, with our outro music today being performed by Maroon 5. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook. If we've added a little value to your life, subscribe and tell a friend.